it's 2024. Uh, I'm, well, this is Swapping Joysticks. Let's introduce the actual show first. This is Swapping Joysticks, your home of LGBT plus kind of uh, gaming and streaming. I am Biggest Ben, otherwise known as Call Me, just Call Me Ben. And I'm joined as always by New, new Year, New... Same old grumpy same. asshole. Yeah, you're not a grumpy <laughs> asshole. You're not an asshole. What's uh, <laughs> the your Ed? And what? And Ed I, um, is from your gamer. What do you mean we're kind of an LGBT podcast? Well, we don't really are talk about it too are much. You, are you only kind of queer? Well, you know, I did have a girlfriend. I've had a couple of girlfriends. <laughs> oh, that's true. But um, no, it's a kind of because we don't really make a huge deal of that. And I think we should maybe do a little bit more each. Uh, like when there's a good LGBT game out there, we should make an effort to actually play it. And and talk about it. We do. There's there's not a huge number of them. It's like they're all specific. shit. No, there's not like. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I, it's been a while since we've had a new uh, let's Life not, is Strange. Shall let's we say? not start on a big debate. Shall we say it's just it's been too long since the last Life is Strange? Yeah, it doesn't have to be Life is Strange. It doesn't have to be a specifically queer game. Why can't it just be queer relationships in any old thing? Yeah, and that's what we were going to be doing, wasn't it? We were going to be doing uh, like a kind of a game of the week and maybe one we can do that has that we can highlight that has like queer gay game of the week no game game of no. the week joystick of the week yeah a game to fiddle your joystick at wow anyway um yes 2024 what are your new year's resolutions oh god you knew it was coming um did i um gaming or otherwise uh, well, we are a gaming podcast, so we should probably do gaming slash streaming. Yeah, because otherwise it's like, get, get out bit. more. Yeah. Touch grass. Touch grass. Um, Don't play Tetris. <laughs> no, we'll get to that. Um, gaming resolutions. I I am not going to last saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I am going to play what I want to play and not what I should play. What are you playing at the moment? Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, and do you like it? Yeah. Okay. A lot. Cool. I'll allow that. <laughs> I'm allow it. Game of the year, man. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I... Not it's I, number two. I I mean, this... this. Well, yeah. See, now we're getting deep. Um, I think just in general, I am not very good with work-life balance. <laughs> you, the, the, you, why are you saying that to me? Say it to the other people, because I know this fully well. <laughs> Wow. I don't need this being told. So, <laughs> therefore, I have a tendency, because my my job is to be a journalist and to, in video games and to play video games, I have a tendency to play things that I feel like I should play. Like more Diablo. Than, like spending 50-odd hours in Diablo Do you imagine to how many it? games you could have played in that time yeah, with Diablo? Instead of playing what I want to play. Mm. Now, sometimes it's a good thing to like get out of your comfort zone and play something different that you might not normally have played. I will say, I think for me, Baldur's Gate 3 is a key example of that because I probably would have been like, oh, that's a really nerdy PC D&D game and not really for me. And actually what I've played, I've really enjoyed and I can't wait to play more. Okay, so, so I'm you're, glad... that's not something that you're forcing yourself to play. Well, you have, you did force yourself to start it, but you've actually Well, yeah, it was it. more that like hearing about it in the news and writing stories about it before it came out made me excited to want to play it. Um, and therefore I felt like, well, I should continue that journey and should play it. But I've ended up really enjoying it and now I really want to play more of it. Um, but sometimes Same. I feel like I play things because I feel like I should and then I don't actually enjoy it that much, but I play through it anyway. So now yeah. I'm like, do you know what? If I want to go to my backlog and play something really old or replay a classic that I love or something like that, I'm going to find the time to do it and just 
enjoy playing games. I mean, we'll get into it, but I, I'm in like Final Fantasy mode at the moment. And I really want to go back and like play the old Final Fantasies. Yeah. And I'm just in that zone. And that's sort of relevant to my job in some ways. But also it's just that's what I'm in the mood to play. So I want to go back and play that, you know, over Christmas. We'll get to it. I replayed the original Final Fantasy VII because I felt like it. And yeah. it was nice. I want to. No one will tell me otherwise. Yeah, exactly. But maybe like, yeah, because obviously like you didn't know that Diablo wasn't your thing really. Um, but you started playing it and then you I kind of realised... Yeah, but then you realized it maybe wasn't, but you still stuck through and played it right until the end. Maybe you should tell yourself to kind of put a game down. If you've had a taste of it, you know what it's like, and then just leave it. True, but also sometimes if you put more effort into it and get through it, then it gets good. It gets good after 100 and, hours. And not to spoil things, but I've been playing a lot of Zelda, and that's sort of how I feel mm. about that. I wasn't super keen on that at the beginning, and the more I've played it, the more I love it. So... Sometimes that can happen. It's just mm. you've got to, I guess, decide what to put the effort Maybe into. if you put, like, had more of a, like, life outside, you know, kind of... If I had a life... You might then have less time to spend playing video games. Then you might be a bit more selective. Wow. And you might value your time a little wow. bit more. Well, thank you for that, Ben. <laughs> no, I but did you know, say I want to get out more. Exactly, but all right. that's helping you. So getting out more will be few, less time to play video games and then you'll be able to be more selective. And if you're like, oh, this game isn't... I don't need to play a game for 30 hours for it to get good. If it doesn't get good after three, fuck it. It's gone. Next. We'll see. Yeah. What's your gaming resolution, man? Mine is the opposite of you. It's to actually finish games and play mm. them. Um, but now I can play them kind of anywhere. You know, we've got the, uh, um, the portal. I can play at home. I've got my PC. I've got my Steam Deck. So I can, uh, I've actually got a Steam Deck OLED coming. No. Yeah. I saw that video earlier. Are you shitting me? No. So I'll let you know how it is. Also, if anybody wants to buy a Steam Deck, let me know. Unless you want to buy it off me. No, I do not. But I thought, no, but it's not just, it's not just the screen. Better battery life. Like everything's better in it. And apparently it's really good for streaming locally from your PC, like the Wi-Fi, it's Wi-Fi 6E, whatever that is. So yeah, that should be coming next week. But I'll let you know how it is. This this Christmas period has been like eye-opening for me with uh, has it? the Steam Deck. <laughs> really? The, yeah. Eye-opening? Mm. It took you a year to get to that point. I've had it. A year? I've yes. A year. Well, it's been great. I have played some games on it before, but this over the Christmas period, I was I was and that was enough to, to buy an entirely new one. Yeah, I know. I, ju- I just started reading about how good the new one was, and people were saying you should definitely upgrade. And I was like, okay, I will then. But yeah, but that means you've got a Steam Deck that you can play. I don't want your cast-offs. Well, you can play. You can play on it. Who said the OLED was for me? It is. <laughs> don't don't get any ideas. Um, but yeah, no, I've, uh, I've got that coming, which I'm looking forward to, but I think, yeah, like make time and finish a game and also play some small, like some games are just a few hours and you can play that rather than just kind of sitting and doom scrolling. I've deleted Twitter. Yes. You need to stop doom scrolling. I don't anymore though. Cause then you spend money. Oh no, that was you. You, so Ed, uh, we were watching this skill up video about the best things of last year and he opened up with steam deck. And you were like, oh, yeah, I was talking about how great the Steam Deck was. You'll end up buying it. And then forced and me to sure watch enough, it. And sure enough, a few yeah. hours later, 
And then I looked on the Steam Deck Reddit. If you have us later. And on the Steam Deck Reddit, for some reason, they were all saying that you should buy it. Um, so I did. Oh, funny that. People online telling you to buy things. Yeah, and you, sucker, went for it. And I can't wait. I love it. And it's OLED. So, like, there were so many... But the thing is, there were so many games as well. Like, not just the battery life and everything else that's improved on there, but there were so many games that I want to play. And I was like, I'll get it on Switch, because that's OLED, and it looks brighter. Um, even if the performance was a little bit worse, but the OLED screen just made it. And now, playing on the Steam Deck, I'll have the OLED screen and the much better performance than the Switch and the back catalogue of any game I pretty much want that's on PC. I'm very excited. I like how you've told yourself that. It's going to come next week. You'll pick it up and play it twice. And then in a that. month's time, you won't have touched it again. How dare you. I, you, you can't I know you, the, Ben. You can't bring that up after I've played so much of it over Christmas. Okay, how much, of, how much of the Portal have you played? I played it. I finished... Um, what did I finish on it? I played something on it the other day. Oh, you can't remember? I played some... I did some side the stuff other day? in Spider-Man. Was that a month ago? No, a few weeks. It was before Christmas. <laughs> Anyway, I don't have to justify my spending. <clears throat> it's how I enjoy myself. Yes. You get drunk and have sex, and I just buy and spend money and stuff. Why do you not get drunk or have sex? Thank you very much. <laughs> I know. Very dare. <laughs> um, but no, I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. That will be another thing to talk about in the future, in a future episode. So, yeah, that. Are we doing an unpacking next week then? Oh, or I don't want to play that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe, but I will, no, actually, because we'll probably record it. It'll probably come before. Unboxing. Okay, fine. Um, but yeah, no, but other than that, yeah, just like finish some games and I wouldn't mind if this year, I keep saying next year, this year is like a bit of a clear your backlog, uh, clear your backlog year. Because mm. there are not many games at the moment that I'm really dying for, especially ones later on in the year. Obviously Rebirth. And then, I mean, we're going to talk on the next episode of Inbox about the games that we're looking forward to. I was going to say, we're going to go through and just pick out some of the ones this year that, that we're looking forward to that maybe you might also look forward to. Um, and before sort of thinking about it, I was like, oh, I don't think there's that many. And now I'm like, oh, actually, there's a lot of games coming out this year that I'm really interested in. Mm. But I don't think it's as many as last year, or at least as many no. top tier, long, super long, you know, RPGs as last year. Yeah. So I was talking about like they were lamenting the death of kind of double A games. Like now things are either indie or just they all, they go all out. And I'm like, yeah, because if it comes out double A, it doesn't really, it gets kind of panned. Like Suicide Squad, that sounds like a, well, maybe it's trying to be a triple A, but it's like, it sounds like something that could quite easily be. No comment from me. Um, It sounds like, well, no, from what I've read and what I've seen that it seems like a double A game that, you know, maybe if something like that had come out, 10 years ago, obviously with the downgraded graphics, it would be treated as like a decent game and people would really like it. But now I think people are just looking to hate it because they're expecting something as big as Spider-Man. True. Um, well, that sort of has the look and feel of a AAA game. Okay, that's what I was I think. wondering. Yeah. Um, but like from the trailers and stuff and the way that they're sort of building it up. Mm. Um, for me, like the ideal AA game is like Hi-Fi Rush. It was a nice short game. It was really focused on one thing that it did really, really, really well. And then you could play it in a week, put it down, and then be like, cool, I played that and I enjoyed it. And it wasn't, I, I presume Bethesda wasn't as expensive to make as like Skyrim was yeah. or Starfield. So, you know, it's a shorter Bethesda. experience. Yeah. Oh. 
Well, well, it was Tango, but they're part of Bethesda. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's that kind of just hyper focused on one thing, but doing it well and a shorter experience. I'm totally down with that. Mm. I love that kind of game. Yeah, I mean, to me, Double A is like maybe not that. I was thinking something like Final Fantasy Origins. That is a kind of Double A game that actually was quite well received. Yeah, the combat I've heard was great. The combat was great. Yeah. The story was not. Well, I think the use of music was not. Was it not the music? I, when Stand By Me came in, I was ready I to mute it. And what did you show me it? Ben, that's the opening. I can't remember. Wow. Wait, Stand By Me is um, Final Fantasy. Oh, not Stand 15. By Me. What was it? Fly me, <clears throat> fly me. I don't know. Yes, there was, was another one. Moon? Might be Fly Me to There's the Moon. some old jazz song that was used at the Stand start. By, Stand By Me is, is Final Fantasy 15. When you push in the car, yes. and Florence comes up. That's the one. Mm. That's vaguely more acceptable in that game. Yeah, because it's meant it's trying to be modern and cool. Yeah, and they're they're like cars and. But as a prequel to the original Final Fantasy, no. Anyway, let's not get into Where all that. That's too much. Yeah. Should we talk about what we've been playing? Go on. Over then. Christmas, we've been playing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, though. we've actually got a lot to talk through. I finished three games in one week. Well, you're living up to your resolution already, then. Yeah, unfortunately, only one of them was this year. But yeah, that was I was very very impressed. With what have myself. you finished? I finished. Uh, all right, the first the main game I've been playing, and I started it a while ago, but obviously I finished it last week, and I really hammered into it over Christmas. Was Dave the Diver, mm. um, which is a uh, not indie, um, made by a Korean company. Yes, the Nexon, something like that. Yep. Yeah, so it's made by them, but it has definitely got like an indie feel to it just because it's kind of pixel art and it seems quite simple on the, you know, when you first glance it, uh, glance at it, but then you realize that this game has got, I mean, it took me 30 hours to finish and I didn't do most of all the stuff that they, that there is. Like I, I kind of mainlined it uh, the second half, which I think is where a lot of people drop off. But for those of you who don't know, Dave the Diver is a deep sea diving collectathon survival fishing game um where in the evening you like all the stuff that you've caught you can dish it up in a restaurant as like a a restaurant uh, sushi restaurant management mini game nice mm. but it goes places right it does go places so i think a lot yeah. of people have, have maybe started it or have seen bits of it and are aware of sort of that mm. two parts of the gameplay you know day and night yeah um but the little bit that I've played, because I played a few hours, and there's definitely some like weird underground civilization and mermaids and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm presuming that that was a hint of it going places. And yeah. now you've finished it, can you, without spoiling it, mm. sort of tell it us does. how far that goes? Oh, it goes fine, but it, it goes quite quickly. Like you, so they talk about there's rumors of you know these uh, mer people, and you find something that kind of makes you points you in the direction of them and and makes you suggest that these people do exist and then really really quickly they're like yeah here they are hmm. and you're and then you're kind of yeah i mean i won't go into the story but like there it kind of goes from this elusive mystery into learning everything about them and which is interesting i mean the story is great um it kept me interested the entire time there were some bits where i was like okay this is dragging a little bit i want it to um, I don't really need all of this information and the story is a bit weird at parts but it's 
yeah, it, it was fine. I mean, it, it's kind of a backdrop to the game because the game just prides itself on making you want to play it for the mechanics. So it want, mm. makes you want to go and dive and it makes you want to go and hunt down certain fish because what you can do is if you, for example, got 10 sharks, you had, yeah, let's say you, you fished 10 sharks during the day. When you go to your restaurant in the evening, you can upgrade the shark sushi or the shark's head dish or whatever it is um, and you can use a select number of those to kind of level it up, um, which increases each time you level it up. So eventually, so it does actually kind of pay to to just go and farm the same things again. But obviously, the further down, the further the, the deeper you go, the rarer the fish and the more money that you're going to get from uh, from being taking it to the sushi restaurant. And um, yeah, so it it always pays to kind of keep progressing with the story. I wouldn't just sit there and farm fish in the opening area, but mm. it's um, so it does kind of force you to go and do the other stuff and to actually follow along the story. But somebody described it as a like a game with a million things to do and they love showing all these different challenges and all these different uh, mini games and um, like the, the different um, methods to play it, but like with no real depth to it. And I can see that. I can actually see that. Like, there's a farming game. So you. I was going to say, little... like, so watching you play, like, there's all these yeah. other mini games and like other genres. So yeah. everyone thinks it's the fishing and sushi restaurant, but there's no. actually a load of other stuff as well. Oh, there's loads. There was like a rhythm game in there, um, which I didn't really do much because it just kind of introduces it to you in the main story, and then it's like, hey, you can go and do it. But I'm like, why? Why would I keep doing that? Like, what am I getting from it? Um, the farming. I mean, it's quite fun. It's fun. Yeah. Man. But like, there's no real reason, really, because you that. want to do it, not because you should do it. Well, if I did everything, go. yeah. But then, yeah, um, there's the farming kind of mini game, but it's very, very, very simple. It's just like here's the farming area, the farming like the the beds where you can plant your seeds, and then you come back a day and a half later, and it's grown. Um, and there's a person there that can water your plants, and there's obviously like chickens and eggs. But it's just very, very, very basic, mm. which. I think it's one of the reasons why I really liked it. Like all the different, so the rhythm game or the farming uh, bit, there's, there are also other um, like technically like leveling up your recipes in the restaurant and leveling, leveling up your uh, like the cooks and the waiters, or the waitresses or whatever. Those are very kind of simple to follow. It's really easy. It's just one thing. Oh, what can we do with that person? We can fire them. We can train them or we can, switch them out uh there's there's not that much depth to it which is what i quite like about it mm. um because they could just make the whole game about going into the sea and finding the fish and learning about those fish and then have a real in-depth management part to the to the restaurant or the restaurant management part but they don't really do that it's quite simple and yeah for me that's great but it doesn't make me want to play it much after i finished it fair so yeah, it's weird because like I said it had a lot of depth, but when I said it had a lot of depth, what I actually meant was there are lots of different things that you can do in it. Mm. Um, but when you go and spend a lot of time doing one of those things, you'll realize that it's quite shallow. So it keeps you entertained for a long time, but yeah. it's a bit frothy. Yeah, it is. And there are various things that you can do, and like the side missions or the side little stories or helping things, helping certain people, I'm not going to say who, those... It's just kind of bring three pearls, go and do this, bring me this. It's all fetch quests. Mm. Um, so that can get a little bit tiring. But I think it, it, the one of my favorite things about the game is just the music. 
and the music changes oh, hearing you play you it i'm like yep this yeah. is a bop the music's brilliant and it is also absolutely zany it's so zany in parts you'll go and like for example when you're just leveling up one of the um sushi dishes you go from level five to level six or whatever on this random you know bit of cod sushi and then there's this whole kind of anime style whatever i don't know weird over the top ridiculously over the top kind of guy with his knife going and turning you know making this really white weird and wonderful uh animation just to kind of level this up and it's just ridiculous and over the top and you'll laugh a million times and uh, like during the game there are loads of moments where i just laughed out loud and was like what the hell is this and i can't wait to like watch you play it and uh, and enjoy it because i know you will at some point i've played a bit of it yeah but it, it you need to I'm stick still to in it. act one yeah there are quite a few chapter more. one i think it's chapter yeah and yeah, it does go weird places and there's some moments like where you control a different character for just a little bit. And it's just, there's some really weird things. And and one of my, one of the things I love about games is when there are different mechanics that they just throw new, well, not, they don't layer on mechanics, but they're like, okay, for this part, you're going to do this. And then for this part, you're going to need this mechanic and this part, so this part, you might need to be, you know, stealthy to move around. And then this part, you are trying to solve this puzzle and, like they're not just layering on a million different mechanics at the same time. It's like, hey, this is a totally different experience for the next 10 minutes. You can go and play as this character. There's a, like a bit in it that's very similar to Abe's Odyssey. Like the, it's okay. just, uh, yeah, every every hour or every 30 minutes or so, it's like, oh, this this is different. And I like that. Because you, well, I, it's I have for a short someone... attention span. Yeah, exactly. If you've got a short attention span, it just keeps you entertained. That's one of the reasons I love Titanfall 2. The the career mode or the story mode of that every mm. level is completely different from the last and i like that i like things kept fresh i don't want to just do the same stuff again and again fair enough mm. well that game dave the diver has a dlc with another game that you've played or is yeah. it the other way around i think it's dave the diver dlc so Dave the Diver, there'll be dlc for dave the diver okay and the theme of that dlc is dredge which you've also played and completed. Yeah, because I was like, okay, well, I really enjoyed Dave the Diver and I saw Dredge was a lot shorter. So you've um, become a fisherman in the last week. I have. But okay. they're very different games. Um, for those of you who haven't played Dredge, it is a fishing game. Or Well, you don't necessarily play as... Well, you don't control a diver or a fisherman. You're controlling a boat. But okay. you're obviously controlling the person on the boat. Mm. Um, but it's very different in the style that when you go... So obviously you, you're in the middle of like a, a group of islands. Um, it's very Sea of Thieves-esque. You know, if you look at Sea of Thieves where there's big spaces between the islands and they're all specific, like special shapes and whatnot. Um, okay. Have you played Sea of Thieves? No. Okay, well, it's very basic. I have stuff. no interest in Sea of Thieves, I'm not mm. going to lie. Like, I'm not into pirates and Well, now they've got boats. the safer sails servers. You can play without being killed by assholes. Um, that's preferable. And it's probably like, it might be a nice game to just chill, to chill with. You can do fishing now. You can just go and do loads of fishing in it. I don't do chilled games. Do you do fishing games? If there's a story. Well, Dredge. Is there a story? In Dredge, there is. Okay. And I found. See now I'm in. I'm, so I'm hooked. Dredge is a uh, a fi yeah fishing game where you go around and you have to solve puzzles in various areas, and then each area that you've solved, you get something, and then obviously it's, it's like collecting that. It's very very okay. simple. You're just going around and. 
yeah, completing the different areas. Um, however, it is a Lovecraftian, which is, yeah, I thought you'd raise your eyebrows at that. It is a Lovecraftian horror fishing game that's also incredibly chilled. And it's okay. wild because right at the very beginning, you play as the boat. It doesn't go very quickly. It doesn't really have much. You've got these little normal fishing uh, fishing rod. And the where where I'm based across the bay is another little village. I think I'm I'm in something marrow. And then across there is like little marrow. And I remember playing at the very start and going and doing a little bit of fishing. And as you're doing fishing, the time passes. But time only passes when you're moving or fishing. Okay. So you can just leave the ship there and the time won't go. Um, but sometimes, but when night comes in, bad things happen. <gasps> what bad things, Ben? I'm going to spoil it. Oh. I'm not, but I knew that bad things were going to happen. But I think the fear of that was 10 times worse. Oh, that's always the way. Like, yeah, because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm like, do I lose my boat? Like, what happens? Like, what would happen if I had my boat destroyed? And I never got it destroyed, thankfully. Very, 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 very close once. Um, but I, yeah, so I didn't really know. And like I remember it being, I was at Little Marrow across there, which wasn't the place where I sell the fish. So I kind of wanted to go back to my original place and go and sell the fish there before calling it tonight and then passing the time until the next morning. But it was like three o'clock. And I know that the, the sun goes down at six or five till six and then six it's dark. And I was like, I prob I might make it, but I might not. And I was just too scared. So I stayed there overnight and then went back there the next Did day. Did your fish go off? Uh, no, but they do go off after a couple oh. of days, I think it is. So that was fine. But yeah, you go to, you just go and you'll like dock at various settlements or campsites or whatever around where these islands are. And you'll have somebody that you will talk to. It's very kind of like tabletop. Like it explains... Or very like dungeon master type thing. They explain what you can see and how you, but then you respond normally. But I don't. There's like a a second person narrator, if I remember rightly. Um, that you, it's all read. It's none of it is voiced. Mm. Um, that you can can read. But yeah, it's um, it's cool. The characters are very creepy. The game, it's just weird because it's horror, but it's also so chilled. I was gonna say like, who is this for? This is for people who don't want her story thrown at them so if you like a bit of ambiguity okay. yes um I'm here for and that. you like mystery i'm here for that and you like weird things i'm happening. here for that um like at night at one point i won't say spoiler but at one point i was fishing i was there at night um going on because so i had like you level up your boat and it goes a lot faster and then you can kind of escape from scary things and i was going to a place and i could see it and then all of a sudden the weird noise happened this was like pitch black mm. And I quickly looked around and there was a boat that was identical to mine, but just completely black coming up towards me. Um, but I got I got to the where I needed to go just in time before and then it went away. And then I had another experience with it another time. And I was like, I wonder, I might just stop and see what it does. That was a bad idea. Um, but that's oh. what I'm going to say. But Well, now I'm intrigued. Yeah, it it is full of weird mysteries. Like you'll find kind of um, messages in bottles and you can kind of piece together what has happened with these people and what the issue is and it's a very weird weird story but like if you like bloodborne 
and you like Lovecraftian stuff that doesn't really make too much sense, but you kind of have to accept the weirdness of it. I mean, you've sold me on that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think you would like. I think you'd like Dredge more than David Diver. I also think so. Yes. Also, it. I finished it, including the DLC, in ten hours. Cool. But I didn't well, I guess when it. your OLED arrives next week, I'm going to steal it. No, you'll be stealing my old one because I played this on. I played. I played Dave the Diver, and I also played. Well, Dredge. If the OLED's coming, I want the best possible experience. Good for you. Yeah, you can buy one. Um, you can. Yeah, but no, they're both. I played both Dave the Diver and Dredge on. Uh, the Steam Deck, they both ran incredibly well, like really, really well. Dredge was like a, felt like a solid 60 FPS the entire time I was playing it. I mean, it's quite simple. It looks quite simple, but it's just, I don't know. It just, it makes you feel, it, it's came, wait, what? Because I did my top 10. Did I put it as the third game? Yeah, I think I put it third. What, after Dredge? Yeah. Which may be a bit of recency bias, because I, but I did love it. I put it as, yeah, third. Pikmin was first, obviously. Final Fantasy 16, I put a second. Um, just because I felt Baldur's Gate 3, I haven't played... I, I know I played like 30 hours of it, but I want to play even more to, to put it up higher. Um, but no, I put Dredge as third because it was... Wow. I don't know, just the atmosphere. I love atmos the atmosphere of that. And also there's some good... It's a, There's good management. There's a bit... There's a lot of... It's a lot of inventory management and placing things in a certain way in your, um, in your hold. But... It didn't really bother me that much. Good. Yeah, so that... Uh, no, but there's another game that we both played. Have we? Valhalla. Oh, yeah. God of War Valhalla. Well, I was going to hold off on that because what? somebody else has been playing that. And so when we get to what everyone else has been playing, we can give our thoughts as well. Sure. As long as they have the same thoughts as me, that's fine. Well, we'll find out, won't we? We will. Go on then, Ed. Tell us all about Final Fantasy VII. Well, before we do that, I was going to talk about Zelda. Because we already talked, or I already talked quite a bit about Zelda in the Game of the Year podcast, oh, which you should go and listen to, um, which we put Zelda as number two. Yep, you did. Because I pushed for it. Um, because I've been playing a lot of it recently, and it's a game that didn't really click with me at first. And basically... I sort of went back to it bit bit by bit over the year and I then heard a spoiler or read a spoiler for it uh, through work because one of Who my colleagues, blaming? one of my colleagues, no, 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 one of my colleagues was writing a story about it and I went to look at a source that had been referenced and in that source when I was finding a quote, I read something else that was a spoiler and I was like, oh crap. I was like, well, now I know I, I, I just want to do that in the game and, and do that bit. And that was enough to then hook me back in. Have you done that bit? Oh, yeah, I did it straight away. Oh, okay. Um, and that was enough to hook me back in. And then since then, I just have not stopped playing it. I'm still playing it now. And you know when you get so into a game that you, you can't stop thinking about it? And when you're not playing it, you're like, I just want to go back and play it again because, oh, I didn't, I need to go and do that. And then, oh, if I go here, I can do that. And then I've got that quest. And then this person to speak to and... Death it's just suddenly yeah. five hours have gone by when you're actually playing it. So I've just got really, really hooked on it. I think what's changed for me is I've sort of come to accept what the game is and not what I wanted it to be. Because when I first started playing it, I like Zelda is my favorite series. Full stop. It's, it's the absolute top for me. 
And because of that, I automatically fall in love with every Zelda game to an extent, but also I have very high standards and I have quite a clear idea of what I want a Zelda game to be. And this wasn't that. Mm. So initially I was a bit disappointed by it. I think partly it was because it repeats a lot of Breath of the Wild. It takes the template of Breath of the Wild and then sort of expands on it. And a lot of people have moaned that it's just, you know, expanded DLC or, you know, it's a very obvious sequel. And Nintendo haven't really done sequels for Zelda before. I mean, they have a Zelda 2, but that was a completely different game. It was a side scroller, not not top down. And Majora's Mask is a sequel to Ocarina of Time, but it takes place in an entirely different world and yeah. has its entirely different storyline. Do you wish they still had it in another world? Kind of, yeah. Because for me, what I really like about each Zelda game is that every single one is unique. Everyone, okay, you, you've always got Link's at well, most of the time. You've got Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf, um, or some variation of, and it all takes place in Hyrule. But so, so there's the same sort of core to each Zelda game. But then it's what do they do to vary that? And it's what's this new interpretation of Hyrule going to be? Is it? a dark twisted twilight realm is it under the sea you know when you're floating on the waves or is it a big open world and this is the same map as breath of the wild yeah because to me like when it says the legend of zelda it's legend so it, to me every story is a is the story being told by somebody it's like an old man telling the story so every person every old man who's telling the story has a different version of it i mean that's an interpretation yeah there you go yeah um so do you, I, do you not I share like, that interpretation, Ed? I mean, I appreciate the word legend, but I don't think every game is an old man telling their story. Well, necessarily. Maybe there are old man. men in in a lot of Zelda games. Um, so I just like how everyone is unique and distinct. And with Tears of the Kingdom, because it is the same map as Breath of the Wild, <laughs> it's the same gameplay. It has the very similar structure. It just felt very samey at the start. And I just thought, I've already played this. Why am I doing? Why am I playing this again? And there were things that I didn't really like that much about it. Um, some of which is personal taste, and some of which I think maybe other people might agree on. Um, for me, the the four things that you do because they don't have divine beasts, but there are still four things that in each area you have to go to. I found them a little bit disappointing. I like the story. I like the build up, but then the actual dungeon bit. I was less keen on and that's just a personal taste for me that I love Zelda dungeons for me they are the best bit of the games is when you get into a dungeon and it's this big puzzle box to work out and I still from Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom I still haven't had that feeling so I still want that in you know what's to come um, I think also it's just it's a very techie game and I'm going to tread carefully because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone or for you but it's a game that is about technology in one form or another. And as you know already, there is the Zonai, mm -hmm. this ancient you know, race of beings who weirdly are more advanced than the rest of Hyrule. Um, and that's how they have these abilities. And you can fuse stuff together and make stuff with using Ultra Hand. And it's all about building and technology and techie stuff. And for me, that's just not Zelda. For me, Zelda is fairy tale and fairies and dragons and magic and talking trees and there just wasn't enough of that in this from the beginning so it just it just didn't quite feel like the zelda i wanted it to be but as time's gone by i've sort of come to appreciate the new stuff that it adds 
And I still, overall, I still think I prefer Breath of the Wild. I still think I like the purity and the focus of it. And it was more original and new. Mm. But I, I've come to appreciate what Tears of the Kingdom builds on top of that. Um, literally in its world, you know, you've got the Sky Islands now. Mm. And I love the Sky Islands. That's one of my favorite bits. Partly just because of the vibe. Like, they all look a bit samey, but it's just this, like, autumnal sort of vibe of, like, yellow trees and, like, just really peaceful music. And then I really like the puzzle solving of how do I get to the next island over there? Okay, mm. well, do I do something here to fling me there? Do I build something? And and I like that sort of puzzle solving through exploration and that sort of vibe. Mm. I love I've also come to quite like the building mechanics. They were really fiddly at first. And now I actually quite like the experimentation yeah. of it. I feel like it's re they're really easy to use eventually. Yes, it's just fiddly at the beginning. Yeah. It's the fact that when you rotate them, it's like at certain angles. Yeah. And now I know that I'm like, do, 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 do. And it's really you know easy to You know which ways to, to do it. If you need that yeah. pointing in that direction, you know the quickest way. Exactly. Yeah. But I think the main thing for me is that I just... At the beginning, I felt very overwhelmed because they've put so much in this game. You know, mm. it's, yes, there's the open world of Breath of the Wild that the Breath of the Wild had, mm. and Tears of the Kingdom is just adding in so much stuff. There are so many collectibles. There are so many layers to it, so many quests. And I was like, this is just too much. And what I really wanted to do at the beginning was to just run off and explore. And I feel like it had a bit of a difficulty curve issue for me. That's what I've had so far. Like I wanted to go in one direction, but I couldn't. Because, because there's a because there some, in the way. Yeah, or, there was something blocking. There was like a yeah. giant thing blocking the entrance to the thing that shoots you up in the air. Yeah. So I couldn't do that tower. And I was like, oh, guess I can't do that one. Yeah. Um, whereas it, I think in, Tis the, in Breath of the Wild, you could kind of pretty much go to any of them, really. So the way that Breath of the Wild works and Tis of the Kingdom is the same is that the more enemies you kill it then starts bringing in, in those same places, higher level versions. So if you start killing loads of moblins um, or bokoblins or whatever, you suddenly start seeing like the black ones and the white ones and the gold ones or whatever. Um, I feel like it does that very quickly. Oh, okay. In Tears of the Kingdom. But then they drop and better suddenly, weapons. Well, they do, but they're obviously a lot more difficult to kill. And I felt just really underpowered as I was exploring. And so I just didn't feel that sense of freedom to just run off and explore. Mm. And so I felt like there's all this stuff to do and I can't do it yet. And I'm annoyed by that. And I think the reason for that is that they really, really, really want you to just do the story at the beginning. Yeah. And so once you tick off the four things and oh, you so get recommend through that. recommend going through all four? Absolutely. Okay. Like mainline the story. And that's not usually what I like to do because I don't want to rush it. If yeah. I'm enjoying it, I want to just settle in it and explore and do my thing. This, I'm like, no, do the story. And I've got to a point where I still am nowhere near the final boss. And actually, I'm not. There's a bit I need to do story wise that I thought might be end game and I've heard isn't. Mm. But I'm too scared to do that because I don't want to get anywhere near the end of it. Um, Is this going to so, leave a hollow mark in your in yourself when you finish it? Maybe a little bit oh. um, because I put so much time into it. I'm not going to cry. I put so much time into it. But I think what it wants you to do is mainline the story to get various abilities and level up and do more shrines naturally. And then you get to a point where you're just strong enough to take on the rest of the world. Mm. And I'm now at that point. I mean, I'm, I've done 136 shrines or something. Um, and I want to do all of them. I've ticked off the majority of the side quests. Like I've done a lot in this game. I've been almost everywhere. Mm. Um, 
but I'm enjoying now just pottering around and exploring because I'm finally strong enough and I've got good enough weapons that I can do that. And Kill I'm still, anything. yeah, and I'm still finding new discoveries and I'm, I'm enjoying having that sense of power that I've now overcome the world. Mm. And that for me is what I really enjoy in this and Breath of the Wild is that sense of I can explore and do what I want. And it, it limited me doing that at the beginning. Yeah. And now at the end, I finally feel like I'm strong enough to do that. And that's why I'm really enjoying it. So it's taken a long time, but now I've finally got that same sense of exploration discovery that I had in Breath of the Wild. And I now finally have in this and I'm loving that about it. And that's why I, I genuinely think it is my favorite of last year. Um, not just because I put so much time into it, but, yeah, no, but it's, it's just taken time to sort of bloom and unfurl and sort of show off its newness, I think. Yeah, I would love to go through it and play it, but I'd quite like to save it for stream because I think it's just a fun game to stream and people can kind of come in and see you goofing around and you can do some wild and wonderful things and actually people will be like, they, they saw it. <laughs> Because the only yeah. thing is when you're sat there on your own or on your Switch and you do something really cool and really wild and out there and then you're like, oh, nobody saw. That's, that was a shame. <laughs> True. Um, I, know you I think it would be a the, good yeah. it would be a good stream game, but I think you, you started it and streamed it at the beginning yeah. and people don't want spoilers. I think so now I think is it's a bit better. A, now yeah. it's a good time to come back to it. But I think it would be something like a, a game that I would, or maybe something that I would do on kind of like a Wednesday night if I started doing weekday streams or if I did it on a, a Saturday or Friday. It wouldn't be something that I sit down and do like, this is going to be a playthrough that will go up on YouTube and all that. It's not, you it's just going to be something to goof around and play for a bit. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I, I've actually been, uh, before I move on to yours, I just, just a little uh, thing, one other game that I've been playing. Go on. Mass Effect 2. Yes. I have started, I finished. Plug. Here's I have, your plug, everyone. Yeah, my plug. I'll give you a plug. My, uh, well, Spider-Man 2 I finished. Loved. That was great. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to do a little stream at some point, uh, finishing off the platinum for it. Um, but yeah, I've now my next let's play is um, Mass Effect Two, a game which I've never played. Played Mass Effect Three, but no, it's I'm, I'm one joking. of the best games ever. Mass Effect uh, Two. Yeah, Mass Effect Two. I have. I've only I've played the first one. I finished the first one a few years ago when Legendary Edition came out, mm -hmm. and now I'm like, okay, well, I've heard it's like incredible, and I was going to play it anyway, and I think I had already. I was about to do the stream for it and on Reddit they were saying like what game have you finished and there's left a hole in your heart and I would say like half of the top 10 rated comments were all Mass Effect trilogy. Oh really? Yeah and I was like oh I really need to play this. Yeah yeah yeah. And I yeah oh got burp. Um, I've currently just I'm about three hours in. Um, I have rescued Garrus mm -hmm. and or I well I, he's joined me well, yeah, I've rescued him. I've, he's rejoined the team. And yeah, I've just been going around like just reading everything. And everything in that game is really interesting. The like, world building is incredible. The world, the, yeah. But the world building, yeah, it's, in, it's actually interesting. Like, I went in and I was like, oh, I've got eight messages or eight emails to read on my terminal. And I was going through them being like, they're not too long. They're not too long-winded. They're not like, they're not very vague. It's very much like, hey, there's this person, this doctor is over here. And uh, currently has some trouble. We think that they would be great to have on the ship. You should go there and recruit them. I'm like, oh, I think I will. Mm. And it's just stuff like that that's very cool. It's just, it's a very, I mean, I'm currently on the ship. So you've got your own, the Normandy, and you can walk around it. And I could just see myself, if I wasn't doing this as like a, a let's play or something, just sitting and walking around and soaking in the atmosphere. 
it's a proper like Star Trek sci space fantasy game. Yeah. I think like it's sci-fi, but it's like space power fantasy. Yeah. I think. And you can go to like any planet and I've just gone to the area I can't remember the name of it now. Oh, Omega. Yep, that rings a bell. And I went. It's been years since I played it, so I'm gonna watch you and remind myself. Oh yeah, I did do that. So Omega is like the lawless planet where all the criminals go, and it's kind of. Oh, is it where by, the club is? Yes, where there's a club. Yes. And I'm like, I've well, seen. Have you had a sexy dance? No. <gasps> can I do that? Of course you can. Well, I need to go back because I. Well, I'm about to go back because I've got to rescue the doctor. Of course you can doctor. watch the whole dancers. Oh, you can watch it. Can you? Oh, is there a way to sit down and get a lap dance? I mean, I don't. Mm. I'm trying to remember. I think you can have maybe a private dance, but I don't think it's like lap dance. This ain't GTA. Oh, shame. Yeah. You can't drive them around the docks and pull no. over. Um, no. But now I've been loving it. I just really, really enjoy it. And it's, it's weird because like that area you've seen done in so many other games as well, mm. before and after Mass Effect 2. Yeah. So it's been interesting. The criminal to... underworld city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was they went to one in the latest Star Wars, didn't they? The, Every episode Star nine Wars. or something and there's the yeah guardians of the galaxy they go there in yeah. the first one it's so yeah it's been cool to see that and i'm looking forward to going to all the other planets and meeting the old team and just enjoying it and also shepherd is really hot he looks hotter in two than one well yeah they you know up the graphics didn't they? they did i can't wait for three then not that much different but no, I'm, uh, I'll Excellent. keep you updated, but I'm doing Please do. every Wednesday and Saturday. It goes up 5 p.m. UK time on YouTube, YouTube. Plug. So from something new for me with Tears of the Kingdom to something old, I, over Christmas, replayed the original Final Fantasy VII. Oh, I've heard of Which that. is my, one of my all-time favorite games. And it's my favorite in the series. And the reason is that Rebirth is coming out um, this year. And so my plug is that I'm also now replaying Remake on stream. And what's your stream channel name? Ed underscore Nights. Twitch underscore, uh, twitch.tv slash Ed underscore Nights with an N. There you go. Um, so I'm going to be playing that Remake uh, every week to basically remind myself in the run up to Rebirth what, what it was about. But I really, really enjoyed going back and playing the original again. It's been a, a good few years since I last played it. I got it on Switch. It's the modern version. It's got updates and and, and quality sort of life type well, cheats, not quality, yeah. cheats to it. I will say, um, which I did occasionally use. Um, Great, I'm proud. The of you. main well, the main one was three times speed because I was like, I know what I'm doing here. Like I, I just want a reminder of the story. Um, so I raced through it on mainly three times speed. Occasionally, some of the bosses I did on normal speed because. As much as it's turn-based, it's the active time battle mm. system, which continues. Uh, so even when you're going through menus, selecting options for your battle system stuff, um, time is still going. And it's going at three times speed. But even on three times speed, your menu perusing mm. is not three times as quick. So sometimes you're at a disadvantage. So I took it a little slower on some bosses. Um, but for the most part, I played it on three times speed um, just to get through it. And it's definitely, I'm really pleased that I did that Okay. Um, before Rebirth because it's given me a bit of an insight and th some thoughts on what Rebirth might end up doing, but also what the third game might end up going into as well. Mm. Um, 
I think one of the things that's really interesting about Final Fantasy VII and about the trilogy, the remake trilogy, is that everyone loves Midgar. And Midgar is where you start. It's mm. this horrible, polluted city. It's cyberpunk. It's neon everywhere. It's your criminal underworld. Um, it's run by this evil corporation um, that's polluting the planet and stealing all of its life energy. And it's utterly iconic. You know, when when Cloud comes in on the train at the beginning and all that stuff, like, it's iconic. Everybody yeah. loves and remembers Midgar. But that's only the first, like, two hours of the game. Oh. Okay, three times speed. Um, <laughs> yeah, two hours, first, three times speed. the first couple of hours. But honestly... After that point, the story goes in a very different direction. And I, I'm, I'm trying really hard not to spoil anything for you because I know you haven't finished it. But it's like I just you... got to a place called Rocket Town. Okay, well, you're a fair way into it then. Um, Which I think is another iconic place. So there, there, I mean, yes. Midgar's iconic, but there are lots of other gold saucer. Um, there are. Midgar is, it, Midgar is the main one. And it's all about Shinra. And you're thinking, oh, God, Shinra is like the evil corporation. And once you leave Midgar, then you suddenly realise, well, actually, Shinra isn't really around in the rest of the world that much. And Shinra aren't necessarily the bad guys. They're kind of just in the background. And actually, your mission and your quest is something very different. And the way that now that the trilogy remake is happening, maybe, I mean, unless they're going to drastically change the story, is that they've done all of that Midgar bit in one game, which makes it a very clean cut now. It's almost like you leave Midgar, you're like, cool, that's the intro done. Now the real game begins. Mm. And it's funny that that, that opening game. bit is the bit that people love. And actually, that's not really the main bulk of the game in any way. Um, and so now, knowing where they've said Rebirth will end, which is the big bit that everyone's expecting, um, there, so much happens between leaving Midgar up to that bit. But that's still only the first disc of the game, of the original game. And there are loads of bits, loads of iconic areas. There's Rocket Town, if you said. There's like Costa del Sol. There's Junon. Oh, Costa del um, Sol, my favorite place in Final Fantasy XIV. There you go. There's Junon. There's there's loads. There's Gold Saucer and all these iconic yeah, moments. Beach that mini games. Maybe. Um, there's the Gold Saucer and all the stuff that happens there. But the thing is, when you play through the original, again, it's like you remember all these iconic moments. All this stuff happens. And okay, I was playing it on three times speed, but like, you're barely in a lot of these areas. You race mm. through them and you're like, oh, okay, sure. That was a quick cut scene and then we move on. And I know that that's just, that's what mm. games were like at the time. Yeah. But it's made me realize how much more they can do. Like looking at what they've already shown for Rebirth, the open world between all these areas is a thing in itself. They've got all these extra mini games. There's an entire card game that they're putting in there. Um, yeah. Plus things like June on there really beefed up the um the mini game of like the marching military mini game. I was bit. just about to say June on is a bit where it's, I remember it because I did it. I got past that time, uh, past that area the last time I played it, yeah. and I did it this time as well. I'm like pretty sure I was there for about half an hour. Yeah, exactly. It's really quick, even without three times speed. Yeah, but they're gonna pad that out to like three hours. Um, so there's so much more they can put in. Um, other areas and stuff like Rocket Town, you literally go in, speak to Sid, and leave. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, there's actually very little in it. And I think that, therefore, there is so much opportunity for them to add stuff in the way that they did with Remake.
But Remake kind of felt like padding because Midgar, there was less there anyway. Mm -hmm. But here, there is so much that they can do. And then adding in the open world, it's made me really excited for it. I'm also now slightly concerned about the third game because knowing where Rebirth ends, there's sort of an entire disc and a bit to go through in the last game. But equally, not that much really happens. Okay. Most of that is just tying up the story and it's a bit of a whistle-top tour around... Don't, whistle don't say, don't stop. Well, no, I won't. I'm not going to give any details, but like it just... There's, there's less to it, basically. Yeah. Um, and so I'm slightly concerned about, well, what are they leaving behind for the third game? I suspect, and I will say this now on record, I think they're going to call it Reunion. I think I said that to you, didn't I? Well, I've said that for a long time. I said it before you. Mm, sure. Um, it's definitely going to be, begin with an R. Yeah. Um, so there's Remake, Rebirth, and then Reunion. And I don't know. I think depending on what they do in the story. Reclaim. Re reimagine. No. Re Remind. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> Remember. Remember who you are. Resell. Um don't resell it. <laughs> Play it and love it. Um so depending on where the story goes, because I'm sure they'll they'll change stuff up in rebirth, as they've hinted at with remake, they could go off in an entirely new direction and the third game could end up doing its own thing entirely, which is quite mm -hmm. exciting. But it, I'm intrigued by that, but I'm very excited now for rebirth, basically. Um and I'm really glad I've had this refresher. Yeah. So I'm... I would recommend if, if firstly, I'd recommend people play the original before the remake trilogy anyway. And I'm looking at you for that. I was about to say, I will only play because I'm playing it on the Switch. I'm only going to play it if you play Dredge on the Steam Deck OLED. I mean, sure, I'll do that. I, that'll be the only time that I'm not going to be playing on my Steam Great, Deck. Great, we'll swap. Um, but also I'd say for people who have played the original before and are looking forward to Rebirth, mm. I'm really, really glad that I did a refresh. Okay, good. Because I wasn't so, sure. Because the problem is like, do I actually just stop playing it and then it'll be a surprise, whatever happens? No, because I think part of the the joy and the interest of the remake trilogy as a whole is seeing what they change. And so you kind of have to have knowledge of the original for yeah. that to happen. And I think it's things that like there's the joy of playing remake was was twofold it was partly seeing these environments in 3d seeing midgar in the daytime being able to look up and see the sky because in the original it's all set mm. camera angles and it's basically perpetual night um and so this iconic area that loads of people played as a kid being able to see that updated in a new way makes it exciting so you kind of need knowledge of the original for that but also it's about seeing well how are they changing the story because it's not a straight remake. It's a sort of sequel, prequel, God knows what are they doing. And therefore you you need that knowledge of the original. So I, I would 100% recommend playing the original full stop. But if you've already played it, go back and remind yourself. Because I, I personally think that's going to be really useful to make that comparison. Brilliant. Fine, I will. You played Dredged. I mean, it's an easy, it's an easy swap. That's what fine. have other people been playing though? Well, there's one other thing that I wanted to say. Oh, oh go, on. go on then. Have you... I'm so getting box. into mobile gaming. <sighs> so I got myself Apple Arcade and uh, a subscription for that, which is mainly because I wanted to play Sonic Dream Team, which is a brand new, fully 3D Sonic adventure game, action adventure game. Mm -hmm. And it's fucking brilliant. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It is one of the best Sonic games in a long time. And no one's playing it because it's stuck as an exclusive on Apple Arcade on mobile. I love Apple Arcade. 
Now, it is touch controls, which I'm not a massive fan of. And what I'm yet to do is Bluetooth a controller to my phone. You need to, to play get it with the that um, snapback thing. Yeah, I kind of, I think it would work better with that. Go on, go on. And it massively drains your battery. But Sonic games are all about not just speed, but flow and maintaining the speed. And 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 the, the level design of this is so good. It's all like ramps and it's and sort of gradual turns and, and grind rails so that it's all about maintaining that flow, maintaining that sense of speed. Um, the controls, as I said, touch controls aren't maybe the best for that, but the level design is so good. And it's these like short levels that, you you're not just going down a linear path they they branch off in areas and and you actually have to explore a little bit but at high speed mm. um and it has a level that you then approach in different ways and you can repeat it again and again with different objectives from different angles um the music's great the voice acting in the story is terrible but mm. it's a sonic game uh, but the music is great the level design is incredible um i haven't played a huge amount of it but i'm really really enjoying it so that has been a great addition to my phone. Brilliant. I've also been playing a lot of mini motorways. You didn't play much uh, What the Golf then? Well, no, I've also played a lot of What the Golf, um, which I know you played and loved. Loved What um, the Golf. I have, yes, very much enjoyed What the Golf. Good. It's very silly. I'm enjoying the references, um, but it's good fun. Mini motorways is incredibly addictive, and my my trips to the toilet have become a lot longer because of playing that. So have mine, but I've uh, of a different game. Oh, Duolingo. Oh no. Yeah, I quite like Duolingo. It's just fun. I'm learning Japanese. Interesting. Mm. Good luck with that. It's yeah. I did my first lesson in like the letters. Well, that was tri- that was tricky. Characters. Yes, the characters. Yeah. And uh, all I can say is, um, uh. Gosan Kudasai. Which means? Or is it? Is it? No, I think it's not Gosan. I don't know. It's what? obviously doing really can well. Can you say Konnichiwa? Konnichiwa. I, I haven't got to that, but yeah, but yes, I can. Oh. Um, no, it was uh, Sushi Kudasai. Kudasai means... Can I have? Please. Oh. Please. Kudasai. And, um, oh God, I've forgotten it. Gohan. Sushi no, not Kudasai. It's Gohan. Gohan Kudasai. Rice, please. Oh. And... Uh, miso kudasai. Okay. Water. Are we are we going to get your adventures in Japanese learning yes. every week? Now? Yes. And uh, okay. Oh, 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 oh. Can we make this a thing then that every week you have to share a phrase that you've learned? Mizu des. Water, please. It's water. It's water. Yeah. Des means it's, but they put it at the end of the okay. sentence. Misu des. Misu des. Wow. There you go. Impressive. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, okay. Every week you can share those a new phrase. Well, I've got to keep my streak up now. Of course you have. Um, We've got a friend, uh, well, a friend who we might be into, well, we'll be interviewing mm. um, in a few weeks, who is on day 1,337, or was the other day. Which is very impressive. That's like four years. Yeah. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. More than four years. Nice. Uh, so yeah, Arduino. Apple Arcade, basically, go get a subscription. There's actually a lot of really, really good stuff in there um, that it's well worth looking into. It's really, really good. And the best thing, I love Apple Arcade, and I think it's a great, like, a, a really positive for gaming um, because, you know, you don't look on, you look on any kind of app store at the mobile games that are on there and they're just riddled with microtransactions, battle passes, and it's just kind of, 
it's there to make money and to make adverts. Yeah. Whereas on Apple Arcade, there are loads of games there that have been made because they're really good games. Yeah. Like uh, we were playing Slay the Spire and... Oh my God, I played that as well. Yeah. Also really good. There's Apple Arcade because... I don't think any of those games have adverts, do they? In them? No. And I don't know if any of them even have... They don't even have microtransactions, microtransactions. No. Because they're so, part of a subscription. So it's just, this is a game for the sakes of being a game. Yeah. And they're, and it's like, hey, you want to play this game? Here it is. And it, the main reason is they want they put out good games because they want people to say stay subscribed to Apple Arcade. So mm -hmm. there are some brilliant games on there. And yeah, you know that when you're playing a game there, you're not going to be just bombarded with buy this, spend this much money. You can actually enjoy a game. Which is a bit annoying because I wanted to play good pizza, bad pizza. And I thought it was Apple Arcade, and I was like, this is going to be great. And then I realized it wasn't. And then I started playing it, and it was like, watch an advert to make this go faster. And I'm like, no, it just ruins the immersion. Mm. Um, which I know people will say, you know, it's brilliant on mobile, and, you know, it, it's not very invasive and stuff. But it's like, I don't want any of that. I would happily pay £10 or whatever to play that game, or however much it costs on Steam, to remove the ads completely from the game. Yeah. And to get the Steam experience. But now I can play it on Agreed. my Steam Deck OLED. Sure. Right. Let's see what people have been playing. Um, Clasco says, I'm playing Mass Effect 3 for the first time. I always have time to swoon over Caden. Yeah, I'm swooning over Caden. Actually, no, I don't. I haven't met Caden yet. Interesting. I am saying nothing. Good, don't. Uh, and Maybe make sure no one else does, because I, I, I want to see your true reactions. Well, you better watch it then. I will. Jackie B, don't know if I'm too late. You're never too late. But I've been playing quite a bit of City Skylines too. Brilliant. I'm really enjoying it. My only issue is that now that I have the game figured out and how it all works, I'm debating whether I continue with the city I'm currently building or start a new one that is designed better. That is exactly what the game is all about. That's what <laughs> I did. I normally start, start it like three times. Yeah. I, it, you start it and then you restart it within about 15 minutes. And then I restart it after about two hours. And then I kind of stick with it. And then... And you like, never finish it. Well, once you've got to a certain size, or whatever, you just you can replace things quite easily, especially if you've built up a lot of money. So if there's a whole road area that like doesn't work out, you can demolish every single house in that district and just completely re like re landscape it. Um, Does that cost you money, or do you get the money yeah, back? Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll cost you money. Plus, like people are made homeless, so it kind of screws up all those stats for Lovely. a sec. But you know, sometimes it has to be done. We just have to pave. Wow. These so you're getting homes. rid of blocking out people's homes to then like build luxury homes that cost more exactly yeah we and need make to make them homeless i mean that's exactly what you do is like there You're are people there mayor. there are people there with very like luscious gardens and really nice bungalows and i'm like no it's getting a bit busy this city we need some skyscrapers so we demolish them and we build battery farms for people also my my thing for you if you're playing it jackie one thing um Get the trams. Trams are amazing in that game. I had, I had a really cool tram system. Go. I love my tram system. Oh, I want to play that again. I actually want to play um, Planet Coaster. So do I. Uh, Jackie also says, uh, the other thing that I started playing this week is Lego Fortnite. That's so much fun. It's not quite what I expected, but in a good way. Instead of standard Battle Royale Fortnite, it's like Minecraft meets Fortnite and it's all Lego themed. Weirdly, it works really well. I've heard very good things about it, to be honest. Same. I'm surprised you haven't played it. Yeah, I come and go with Fortnite. Same with Destiny. You nice. see the Steam Awards? Let's Actually, not talk about the Steam Awards. Labour of Love was uh, Red joke. Dead Redemption. Oh, I, what was the joke? 
the awards are a joke. Okay, yeah, I mean they are. <laughs> I mean they were trolled. It's but, all memes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Glinska Doodle. Dave the Diver won best chill game, and that is very much. That's fair. Glinska Doodle is clearly in um, JRPG mode. I bought Tactics Ogre Reborn just before Christmas. Then a friend gifted me Octopath Traveler two. And with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth just around the corner, I'm continuing a playthrough of one along with what will be my first go at the Yuffie DLC. So three different but complementary flavours of Squeenix RPG. I've heard the main downside is going back to work in the morning, so not <laughs> having the time to commit to them, which is an absolute I've actually going mood. to work in the morning having slept about three hours. Yeah, I've heard Tactics Ogre Reborn is really, really good. I've also heard that's very good. Um, speaking of tactics games... Because I think some of the team of that yes, went Ed. on to went on to make Final, of tactics games Final Fantasy Tactics. That I've bought you. Final Fantasy Tactics. Yes. Because um, I've never played on a Vita before, and that's on the Vita. Somewhere along here. It's somewhere here, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I've am i never played Final Fantasy Tactics. I played Tactics Advance on the Game Boy, but not the original. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that soon. Speaking of, I bought something. Oh, what I bought now? Thing, well, I bought the um, Analog Pocket. Oh, God, that hasn't even arrived yet. February. We'll get to that later. Um, when that comes, I'll tell you all about it. Glinsky, Octopath Traveler 2 is amazing, and I really hope you enjoy it. There we go. Mr. Wibble, I've not played any computer games since Christmas. It was wild. What are you doing with your time? Wanking. <laughs> Just sat there. Touching grass. That ain't grass that he's touching. It's been mowed. Um, Chaddy, I finished the Valhalla DLC Valhalla. for God of War Ragnarok, which I thought was a really fun and great way to tell an extra piece of Kratos' story. I found it a little slow to begin with, but after you had unlo unlocked most things and were just given freedom to start another run, the game became really fun. I was surprised how much they had made for just the DLC, new rage ability and other upgrades for your stats and weapons. Definitely 8 out of 10 for me, and it was free, which is always welcomed. I also really enjoyed it. Mm. I think you enjoyed it less so, but you also haven't played the original trilogy, right? No. Because yeah. it, it very much is an homage to the trilogies. It's it's just all they're doing is talking about the original trilogy. Yeah. Which and if you haven't played, it's like, well, what is this? What are you talking about? And it's weird. I had the opposite effect with Chaddy. Like when I started playing it, I was like, this is amazing. And then you see there's this reveal kind of very early on. I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. And I had to make sure that I was there when you played it because I wanted to see your reaction. Although you're just like, oh, yeah. You were very, well, yeah. He, he puts it on on stream, by the way, guys. He, he totally puts it on on stream. Because when, when he sat there playing a game, something big will happen. He'll be like, oh. Um, <laughs> no, but I, and then I just got a bit bored of it because I don't like the combat very much. Like my fingers ache Aww. playing it. And I just feel like your I'm pressing the same. Fingers. Just all I'm doing is pressing R and R and R and every now and again doing an effect. And it was just. Well, I then don't you're know. button bashing and not thinking about it. I don't care about an X to move and to roll. I don't know. It just didn't. I didn't particularly like it. And I think the parry was a bit irritating and didn't quite work all the time. Like so, you the final boss you face a few times, and one of the after the first time I was playing this on easy mode, and after the first time I don't know the bosses the the boss fights just seemed like it was impossible to block or it was impossible to avoid certain attacks and it just got me really frustrated and then i was getting hit left right and center even on easy mode um i mean i only died a few times in the very very final boss because i think the difficulty ramps up mm. quite a lot the last one yes i found that quite annoying but it was just i don't know i just found i don't mind losing when it feels fair like liza p liza p you know get your ass kicked all the time 
but I felt like I was improving and I was getting better and I'd go back. Like, what's the name of the first guy that you fight? The policeman oh, or the remember. circus puppet master? Or is that the one that... Something. Is it puppet master? No. Is that the one that you fought? The like... No, it's the puppet king. Or the circus master or something like that. I don't know. Something. But that one I kept fighting over and over until I beat it and I felt like it was fair. Whereas this just feels like, oh, it's popping out of nowhere. It's doing this random thing and I'll block it. But for some reason it takes like second and a half to get his shield out and i don't know it was i just don't i don't know what game you're playing i don't know what shield i was using but i was using a shield that literally took about one second to to use and like was it a big heavy one yeah well that's probably why because it was glimmering and i was like i want the extra stuff obviously you know i mean it's a good game i can like it's a good extra to it but it's mainly aimed at those people that have played the original trilogy and actually actually like it because i don't particularly like god of war i don't i was disappointed by ragnarok but I did really like the previous one. It was all right. Um, and I have played the original trilogy as they came out and really enjoyed them as well at it, the time. They're, they're very dated now and very misogynistic and not great. Um, but that's also why this was interesting because you can see how the series has changed. And so with this DLC, it's basically all about Kratos having to relive his past. And it's it's literally a callback to look what he used to be and what he has now become and how he's dealt with that. And that's literally what the games themselves have done. They have grown and changed. It's like, mm. look, this is what the games used to be. And now look how more mature they are. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, bit of meta really with the story. I wonder if but I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I really enjoyed it as a roguelike and the structure of it. It sort of had a bit of a returnal vibe for me, just in that it's a very story driven um roguelike so a lot of or mm. roguelite um very light a lot of them it's like it's just go to a run and then it's just whatever hades is also very story driven um and this definitely had that kind of vibe to it it's very linear there are certain points where you reach an end and it takes you back to the beginning automatically so you don't just carry on the run yeah um because it's trying to give you a very specific experience which is roguelikes go is pretty linear but I appreciated the storytelling in it. Um, and for people who maybe are thinking, oh, I like God of War, but I don't like roguelikes, I'd say still play this because it doesn't really feel like other roguelikes. Yes, if you die at the end, you've got to go back to the beginning, but the runs aren't that long. There's not that much to them. And you still gain stuff from a run that you can mm. spend to make yourself stronger. So even if you die, your run isn't wasted, um, which is nice. So you always feel like you're progressing. So it's a very accessible um, or an, an approachable roguelike, I would say. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've, I'm just a bit fed up. Of, I'm not a massive God of War fan. I'm in the same category with God of War as I am with Horizon. It's a bit like... I'm, it's far better than Horizon. They're both all right. First party PlayStation games. It's God no of Spider-Man. War's better than Horizon. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lost they're both characters that just kind of grumble and moan about stuff that's all they do a like oh yeah i can't believe uh, she doesn't grumble she does moan constantly she doesn't grumble she does grumble it's the same thing i very much disagree um clues i have not answered this for a good long while well thank you for answering it this week currently obsessed over a management simulation game called mind over magic it is by clay spelt k-l-e-i clay okay um so it is in a similar style to don't starve and oxygen not included you run a magic school in the style of sim tower 
building rooms, gathering resources, summoning students, and hiring staff. There is also a subterranean dungeon that you can explore with a party of staff and students. It's a bit like watching an ant farm, except these are magical ants. That sounds quite good. Mind over magic, that's called. Yeah. Interesting. Um, cool. Thanks for that. That was Excellent. what everyone's been playing this week. It has, and we're going to do a draw, because during the... Before we do the news, um, during the Game of the Year podcast, where we... and the Swapping Joysticks Awards, we had two questions. And the two questions, if people filled in this form uh, with the answer to the two questions, they could enter our competition. And the first question was, what was the game that I didn't like at the start, but I loved at the end? And that was Cocoon. It was Cocoon. And I'm very, very happy that you loved it. Yeah, it was in my top 10. I think it was number six. or I think it was number six, which is, I think it was exactly the same number, the same as it was in the uh, in our swapping joysticks one as well. Hmm. Yeah, I did it as number one, three, four, five. Yeah, six. And the second question was, what was the first game that we removed from the shortlist? And that was, I can't remember now. <laughs> Let's just quickly see. It was, um, it, I don't think it was that one. No, it wasn't. That one was incorrect. It was Octopath Traveler 2. Yes, it was indeed. And we have had a bunch of um, correct answers. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause the recording very quickly. And then we're going to quickly put it in there. And Ed will pick a winner from at random. Ooh. So let me pause. Right, and we're back. Okay, so we've got them all on pieces of little paper screwed up. Okay, so Ed, do you want to show everybody on the screen? And should open that, show the... I'm not showing them how many entries there were. <laughs> okay, well, all the people that got them correct, we have them, have their names written on there. Congratulations to everybody who got those right, and thank you so much for taking part. Yes, um, I appreciate it. It's our first ever competition, and maybe we'll have more in future. Um, this looks weird. Did you just punch the microphone? There we go. Okay, so I'm going to pick one oh, you completely at random. Yeah, you've got them in your hand. I'm going to pick them completely at random. Lift up so people can see that this is random. I have no idea what it is. And I'm going to go for ooh, this one. The winner. Oh, we didn't say what we're going to give, what we're giving away. The winner of any game from the top 10. Of your choice. Of your, you choose what it is um, and we will send it to you. So any game from the top 10 uh, of our game of the year. The winner is, you can see it here. Michael Vanderbur. Congrats. Congratulations, Michael Vanderbur. Um, I will email you in a uh, in a few days, but if you do see this, feel free to uh, send me a DM or an email and uh, what game you want plus your address and we'll get that uh, sent to you. So congratulations. Some great games in that top 10. There are. What would be your personal choice? Um, Zelda. Zelda. Yeah. Zelda. We're not Italian. Right. That was unintentional. So, what has been happening in the news? What's happening in the news? Well, we've talked a bit about Final Fantasy and Rebirth, and we're excited about that. However, every year, Square Enix has an annual... Um, what AGM? do they call it? No, it's like a, 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 a New Year letter oh, yeah. from the CEO. They love a letter, don't they? They do. They love a New Year letter. Um, which this year is from CEO Takashi Kiryu. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it's usually sort of setting out what's going to happen for Square Enix for the year. But it's very much from a very top level shareholdery kind of techie thing. It's not like, we're looking forward to releasing the next Final Fantasy. It's like, no, 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 this is the state of the tech industry and whatever. Um, and this year, he talked a lot about AI and artificial intelligence. In a good way? Well, people don't have good thoughts on AI. Um, AI is becoming a lot more commonplace in the games industry um, and not in a good way in the sense of it is potentially taking jobs from people. Um, it's being used for writing. It's being used for artwork. It's being used for voice lines. Um, and I think there's maybe some... There are maybe some good things in AI in terms of if it can be used as a helpful tool to assist humans, then fine. Yeah, like, um, for example, I when I am like use AI for automatic captions, that's AI. Yeah, and that's an accessibility thing as well. Yeah. Stuff like that, fine. But if it's literally like taking people's jobs, then no. Um, so he was talking about um, 2023, said artificial intelligence and its potential implications had for some time largely been subjects of academic debate. However, the introduction of ChatGPT, which allows anyone to easily produce writing or translations or to engage in text-based dialogue, sparked the rapid spread of generative AIs. I believe that generative AI has the potential not only to reshape what we create, but also to fundamentally change the processes by which we create, including programming. And then he talked a bit about, because that was looking back at 2023, he then wrote a bit about 2024 and was saying, we also intend to be aggressive, aggressive in applying AI and other cutting edge technologies to both our content development and our publishing functions. Content development being game creation. Mm. In the short term, our goal will be to enhance our development productivity and achieve greater sophistication in our marketing efforts. In the longer term, we hope to leverage those technologies to create new forms of content for consumers as we believe that technological innovation represents business opportunities. Oh, I mean, yeah, you just can, you can just see what adverts are going to be like in the future. You'll be like, it'll be cloud popping up on your feed saying like, hey, Ben, download the latest game. Sure. It's going to be super AI. I mean, there's no way around it. It's going to happen. We're going to have AI in a lot of places. It's just regulating it. And it seems a bit tone deaf, this comment. Yes, but then again, it is, is it, a bit tone deaf. Is it for the mass market? But I guess if he's doing it as a letter, then it is to, to it's, everybody. It's a, letter, it's a New Year letter that is for the public. It, well, it is made public. Mm. But really, this is one of these, like, I'm the CEO and I want investors in my company. So yeah. investors are looking at future-proofing stuff and they're yeah. like, oh, people are talking about AI. That should be good. So it's let's talk about AI. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people that work in companies that are very much fully on board with AI but they don't realize that there is a, a large part of the public that don't want that. Yes. And it's interesting that this follows last year's um, New Year letter, which was from the previous CEO, who was Yosuke Matsuda. And for his letters, both last year and the year before, he was going well in on NFTs? blockchain oh and God. NFTs. Um, that went really well. So I'm glad they're going with so AI. Last year, because basically 2022, he went in on that and everyone was like, what the hell are you doing? No, nobody wants this. Stop. I feel like the beginning of January is like the, okay, what the square start? Literally, that's what, what, what it's become each year now. What crap? So then last year, 
rather than despite that backlash, they then doubled down. I'm like, no, no, we're still doing yeah, I blockchain. This. So it was blockchain has been an object of exhilaration and a source of turmoil. But with that in the rearview mirror, we hope that blockchain games will transition to a new stage of growth in 2023. Although he did acknowledge the somber string of news stories with blockchain connections in 2022. And what's quite telling, I think, is that um, there was only a small mention of blockchain stuff mm. in this year's one. Now, it's a different CEO. I appreciate that. Um but it got a very short mention, which was, in terms of new business domains, we previously identified three focus investment fields, namely blockchain entertainment slash web 3.0, AI, and the cloud. Last year, we redefined our overarching mission and goals for these three fields. We are currently working to modify our organizational structure and optimize our resource allocations to support these efforts. Now, that's the only mention that of like anything blockchain. And considering the last two letters mm. were very, very heavy on that, I'm a, kind of wondering, okay, well, is this just in the background or are they stepping back from it or what? I don't know. Um, Did it make them any money though? Well, last year, the, the main things they talked about were Symbiogenesis, which is this Web3 experience card game, which sounds like utter bullshit. Which they sort of oh, revealed massive. in March. So many March. people are playing it. They've they released it. In, well, they haven't released it yet. They talked about it in March. They've released some details, and then we've heard nothing since then. Mm. So it's like, okay, well, has that dropped off? They also had a load of Final Fantasy VII trading card NFTs around the same time. That also dropped off because there was a backlash. So I'm like, well, is this a sign that they've now dropped off mm. NFTs and blockchain a bit, and they're going to focus on AI instead? Or is this just the general annual thing of Square Enix has jumped on a bandwagon? Like... I also, I don't <laughs> think um, blockchain and, oh, God, what's it called? Uh, crypto and stuff is not in a good place right now. Also true. I've spoken with people who are in it and they've said that, like, they're doing fundraising, but they're not doing fundraising in crypto like they did before. They're doing it in regular money because crypto at the moment is in a bad place. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe that could be a reason why as well. Yeah. Honestly, so a, like AI... a lot of this stuff is just like your your top level blue sky thinking of like, oh, isn't this amazing? And it's like, it's too far advanced. People don't want it. So this isn't for people, it's for investors. Yeah. But it's just interesting to see partly, yes, they're shifting towards AI. And that's a, a lot of people are going to have already given a backlash to that. But also it's this potential shift away from blockchain, which was last year's mm. big thing. But I think, yeah, AI is such just a, it's such a general... Like, it's just such a huge thing. Like, isn't Google Translator type of AI? I mean, there's so many things that can be classed as AI. I don't know. I think a lot of people immediately go to kind of AI-made art mm. and voice, stealing people's voices, which, yeah, 100% should not be anywhere near AI. Um, but if they're using AI for, like, just marketing and, like, trying to analyze what kind of things that people want and kind of tailoring certain things then, yeah, I mean, that, they do that. As long as it's assisting humans to yeah. do their job, then fine. Yeah, make it better. So from AI to neo-Nazis. Oh. It's been a week. What a It's been a great a start to the year. Yeah. Um, so you may remember in the news, um, at New Year, there was a lot of stuff about Disney. Oh, yeah, Mickey Mouse. Because certain pieces of artwork have now gone past their 100 years. Um, yeah. So they're now in the public domain. Um, it can be used. 90, I think. Okay. Because I think they kept pushing it back because it was called like the the Mickey Mouse. Here's a little story about for it. It was yeah. going to come into play in like the 1960s and then they pushed it back 
or was it 1980s? And then they pushed it back 20 years. And then it was approaching again for Mickey Mouse for this. Mm-hmm. And then they push it, they they pass a law to push it back another 20 years. And eventually, it's Disney's power. Yeah, Disney's power in uh, the US. And eventually it's got to a point where, no. Um, you can't do it anymore. You, they can't do it anymore. And it's come out into the public domain. Yeah. So there are various things that are now in the public domain, like pieces of art, lots of different things. But the big one people are talking about is Steamboat Willie, which is the... Wizard of Oz is going to be soon. Yeah. Um, Steamboat Willie was like a really old... I don't think... Was it the first Mickey Mouse? I don't no. think it was the first no, one. There, is, but... there are some Mickey... I think I believe there are some Mickey Mouse things that are already in the public domain. Yeah. But it's a very it's a very old, very early black and white Mickey Mouse yeah. um, cartoon. Steamboat Willie Dredge DLC. There you go. See, that would be great. That would be playing a Steamboat yeah. Willie. Um, but obviously what that now means is that loads of people are jumping on this for gaming for films for silly cartoons whatever else we had it with winnie the pooh which similarly became public domain recently oh, a couple yeah. of years ago yeah. so we had that winnie the pooh horror film with yeah. like the winnie mask um and there's that winnie's whole game coming out that's like this horror grotesque mm. winnie infection thing that's was it awful. blood and honey was the original yes that's but the one things like with the rules um if you're doing you you're free to use it in a public domain but you can't make it seem as though it's affiliated to disney yeah there are certain things yeah. you can't include like i think the white gloves is one thing yeah stuff like that which makes it seem like it's disney and i so think as well we, as long as it's inspired by in some yeah. way it's fine. and that, someone was saying that like there's it's unlikely to see like a we're unlikely to see a blood and honey style thing for mickey mouse because they still have the rights to certain other things as well so it's yeah. it is more complicated than it sounds but yeah yeah so a game is coming out or was it at least sort of announced um at the start of the week and it was called infestation 88 and the idea is it is a one to four player shooting game um where you have to exterminate sinister beings. And there are lots of sinister beings. It's not just Mickey Mouse inspired. Mm. Um, So there's like a Mothman in there and other ones that are presumably also public domain. Um, But the big one people have have picked up on the trailer is this, and the main one in there, is this Mickey Mouse inspired, horrifying black and white mouse character thing that Mm. is just kind of pretty terrifying. Um. And so the trailer came out and people are like, oh, okay, fine. However, it turns out, and this, I will admit, was utterly new to me. And then I came You in, were aware of this. I was aware of this because I came in and was utterly like, new to me and yeah. to other people as well. Oh. That the number, to some people, To say that sits on front of a computer all day, every day. I'm surprised you didn't know. I'm not that terminally online. Um, the number 88 is a neo-Nazi symbol. As somebody born in 1988, this is very upsetting, and it's a like it's one of the reasons why most people born in the same year as me don't put their number at the end of their um, email address. Like you are in one of your email addresses, you have your date of birth at the end, don't you? No, I don't. But you do. There's do one. Do I? Yeah. I don't. Know. Generally, yeah. Your it has. Okay, if you say so. I, I don't know which one it is, but it has your you know, 64 at the end. <clears throat> so, but I'm like, I've never been able to do that because <laughs> I can't put that at the end because people think... Interesting. The reason is that 88 is... Let's the, not say 
Well, well, I don't want right. to say the phrase, but oh, well, no, yeah, the eighty-eight is the eighth letter of the alphabet is H, so double H is something Hitler. I was going to say Heil, who fine. Oh, it's John Simpson's like, oh, it's Lisa S. Oh, let's just call her L Simpson. <laughs> Whatever. Well, you know what it means. I mean, it's like it's a phrase that has been muttered in history. I mean, when people are not going to start falling on the floor like in shock and horror and Fine. covering their ears just because they've Fine. heard a phrase. It's just not a nice thing to you know repeat. Okay, uh, like it's um, not, we can't sanitize everything. Otherwise, there'd be no history. There'd be nothing to learn. All right. Sorry. It's like a GB news reader. All right. High horse. Um, anyway, so because of that, it's it's seen in like screen names and email Not addresses mine. and Not names mine. of stuff. That eighty eight is the symbol. I I in all seriousness had no idea. I'd never heard of this until it's this week, normally this week. with the number fourteen before it. Also that because yeah. fourteen is I'm not that's not something I'm not going to be saying, but it's like the fourteen let the fourteen words is a slogan by Hitler about. I don't even know what it is, but it's Fine. um a very offensive calling um, for genocide. So yeah, it's a symbol, and so people picked up on this name and were like, "Well, hang on a minute," and. Also, there was a lot of, well, what we're presuming now are trolls in the Discord for the game of people sharing loads of Nazi stuff, which was awful. And so people jumped on this and were like, well, hang on a minute. What the hell is going on? There, so, was, there, was, there was a thread going around calling these people mods, but as they misinterpreted the leaf icon next to their name, which means that they're brand new to the server as a mod symbol. Right. So that, that thread, that person was like... The mods, the like the people, the developers are not there outright coming out with all this Nazi imagery, uh, imagery, but it's more like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, allegedly. Yes, exactly. Allegedly. So, um, the studio is called Nightmare Forge Games. Um, they are presumably or, or have said that they are industry veterans that have made previous games, but they have not said who they are. Now, their reason for that, they've said now, is because they had this influx of people of Nazis and trolls and and all this news let's say, around the game, that they were like, we don't want to say who we are and but give our personal details. why didn't they want to put their details out before then? When they didn't have the Nazis well, in the Discord? We'll let you speculate in a minute, Ben. Um, <laughs> no, don't. They have made various statements, but it's summarised by one that they put on on X, formerly Twitter. Um, Twitter. On Twitter. Uh, which said, our game, Infestation 88, is set in the 1980s, with the year 1988 being chosen simply due to its symmetrical design in the game's artwork and logo. Unfortunately, we were unaware of any additional meanings the number 88 has. However, after learning about this, we're changing the game's name to Infestation Origins. We apologise for our ignorance on this. Oranges, I think. On your Origins. We apologise for our ignorance on this and appreciate that this was brought to our attention so we could address it ASAP. Now, they have, they issued statements very quickly. They have changed the name. Um, they redid their um, Discord, um, got rid of all the crap from all the trolls, and they've renamed also it. Believe... They've, put, they've put rules in there that, I mean, they were already in there, but it was very much like, you know, we are a hate, against hate speech. Um, they have outwardly said very openly, we are not Nazis. We do not affiliate with that. So they have made that very clear. Um, it's, I guess, some people are also reading into it a bit and sort of saying, well, is this all just a dog whistle anyway? And they're now backtracking. Speculate all you like. All I will say is like, you know, I can only read the facts of of this is their yeah. statement. Um, but I mean, a lot of people are reading into this a lot. There are. There's some people reading into it so much. And I'm like, it, it probably like, they're like, oh, this, 
letter is 14 points on Scrabble. And I'm like, this is a bit ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, if they, that's what it was at the start, then <clears throat> shame on them. And, you know, I hope they go bust or whatever. But also, like, I don't know. It's If it is an honest mistake, then fine. But mm. the point past that is that the game itself looks a bit shit anyway. So they've got all the publicity they could possibly want. The, now. the reason it's newsworthy is because of the Disney Steamboat Willie thing, and yeah. that's why people have jumped on it. And then suddenly it's like, oh shit, Nazis or potential Nazis. So it's kind of spiraled. And mm. if they didn't know that, they've massively shot themselves in the foot. So yeah. it's been a complete mess this week. Basically, that's the that is the long and the short of it. Um, a couple of other bits. There is yet another update to Twitch. Um, and it's now updated its attire policy. Attire, not entire policy. Attire policy. Um, to prohibit implied nudity. Ed is wearing nothing below that. I'm definitely wearing pyjamas. Absolutely nothing. Nope. Um, He's got them around his ankles. Sure. So basically this is because, and you might have seen on Twitch, there have been a lot of streamers who are basically putting sort of black strips across their exposed, their exposed parts um, and uh, sort of implying that they're nude and uh, they probably are or they are wearing very little underneath and it's implied that they're nude. And it's just ruffled a lot of feathers, basically. Um, and and so, about underbreast. Well, is it underbreast? They've Underbust. now updated. Um, they said... Um, while most streamers have labelled this content appropriately with a sexual themes label and are wearing clothing behind the object or outside the camera frame, sure, Jan. Yeah, whatever. Um, for many users, the thumbnails of this content can be disruptive to their experience on Twitch because this is shown on the thumbnail, as those, it, not on the homepage, yeah. but when you're going through the different I categories. Think, I honestly think anything that is tagged, anything that is tagged like with the sexual content, it should have a blurred thumbnail. Well, we'll get to that in a second. So they said, um, basically, the existing policy is the same. You know, you can't be nude. But they've now added, nor do we permit streamers to imply or suggest that they are fully or partially nude, including but not limited to covering breasts or genitals with objects or sensor bars. Um, they've said that for streamers who present as women, cleavage is unrestricted as long as nipples and underbust are not exposed. Underbust. And Love additionally, it. it must be clear that the streamer is wearing clothing. So you can show as much cleavage as you like as long as you are actually um, wearing clothes and your nipples and underbust are covered. Isn't underbust one of Cloud's weapons? No. Um, interestingly, though, that is specifically for streamers who present as women and there is no mention of men. Can they get the so dicks I'm out? So I'm pretty sure that no, but I'm pretty sure men can be get topless and women can't. Men can get the dicks out. That's what we're saying. Basically. That needs to be the new meta. Um, coverage is... Um, where coverage is required, it has to be fully opaque as well. So you can't wear sheer clothing. Um, so repeated failure to not um, categorize your content as well will lead to an enforcement action. Which before I don't think it did. I think before I just said, no, we'll slap you on the wrist. Yeah. So obviously this, this follows the sexual content policy. Twitch are making a lot of changes. They're trying to say that, you know, we want our our platform to be a safe and welcoming place for everybody mm. um but they're making all these changes and just i feel like the more changes they make like people keep trying to push the boundaries they keep putting plasters and on that, it and that makes them have to up. like yeah something else pops up they have to keep changing it mm. so the goalposts are just constantly moving and i don't know at what point this stops i think it yeah they're in a really hard part hard place because 
people are just desperate to try and get around the rules. Mm. They can't just go and play games or they can't just do it just chatting. Like they have to find something that is so kind of on the line or over the line yeah. without the, actually being... The thing is, is that as history shows, sex sells. And there is a lot of stuff on the platform. Why you are here? No, I'm not here for that. Um, there's a lot of stuff on the, on the platform that lets you can't deny is quite provocative and is there for a clear reason of being provocative. I remember your uh, EDSMR uh, Pokemon opening. Oh, I tried. The Agrumpig. Um, I'm thinking more of, of certain streamers who, you all know who I mean. Various Say ones. their names. No. Money does stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Money does a lot of very good stuff that I've Money def does that definitely... Stiffies. No, Moni does stuff that is within TOS and is respected. Moni did um, stuff. There are a lot of people pushing these boundaries. But the thing is that they're the people that are then getting like <laughs> thousands and millions of dollars in... Moni um, dick stiff. Wow, shut up. Those streamers that get are making so much money from subscriptions and donations. And Twitch obviously gets a share of that. So Twitch is basically making money out of all this sexual content. So they don't want to get rid of it, I I presume. Don't want to get rid of it entirely because they want money. Mm. But at the same time, they need to be seen to be moderating this stuff. So it's it's a really tricky balance for them. So um, wait, did you see that um, Stake, who are back in kick, are now sponsoring a Formula One car? Lovely. Um, just to go back on the thumbnail thing, uh, they added, we are currently working on the ability to blur thumbnails for content labelled using the sexual themes label. That's new. I didn't see that. Well, you should have read the full blog post then. I did actually. Um, I, plus, got, I got to underbust and was and bust. And then you stopped. And then I bust. Plus, user settings that will allow a user to filter their Twitch viewing experience based upon their preferences for content labelled with content classification labels. Oh, then that'll So you can basically, fix, you can just click a button that says, don't show me anything sexual, and then it will just wipe it. Well, they need, they need a little toggle next to twitch and you'll have toggle for like general and then pawn and you can click the button it just changes the chant changes the whole i mean they're thing. not going to do that right but you know this will blur things we and can make help. it better yeah so that's that and then one more story to finish us off which is a nice one but also not but also nice is that the one it is yes well done ben um mario there is a 13 year old boy who has become the first person ever to beat Tetris. What a loser. He should go out. We'll get to that. So this kid, like, to be fair, it's it's not simply just, oh, they beat the game. No. Like, he literally broke, broke Tetris. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's the case if you have to play the game so quickly and so well that you get the score so high it can't go any further and the code literally breaks. Mm -hmm. And he managed to do that um, and did it on stream. There's videos of it. Um, and it's, um, he, he literally, the screen freezes and he goes, oh my God, I'm going to pass out. I can't feel my fingers. Um, <laughs> so that's why this is the first one to beat Tetris, which generally is an, you know, an, a, an endless game. You can just keep like, getting new lines. The age limit for Twitch is 13. This kid is like turn 13, comes on Twitch, like beats the old, one of the oldest and like most iconic, probably the best selling game of all time. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he got to level 157. <laughs> get so many girls when he's old enough. Uh, level 157, or boys, or people, whoever they want. Um, a score of nine 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 nine. So that's I mean, six nines. Um, and it took 38 minutes. I think he'd been at that score for quite a while. I don't think it could register anymore. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he was on that's like level 140 or something like that. 117. What level did you say? 157. 157. Sorry, I knew there was a seven in there. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people picked up on this. 
um, the president of the Classic Tetris World Championship, Vince Clement, um, told the New York Times, it's basically something that everyone thought was impossible until a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, so it was celebrated across the media. Well, apart from... Wait, wait, wait. I can play it. Oh, okay. Apart from Sky News. Beaten, because it just goes on and on. Okay, so here he is. Oh, wait, this sounds weird. <laughs> That's him excited that he's finished Tetris. Willis Gibson has technically proven that wrong. He beat the original Nintendo version of the game by reaching such a high level that the coding froze that left the program unable to generate any more falling... Oh, no, everyone's listening with earphones. As a mother, I would just say step away from the screen, go outside, get some fresh air. Beating Tetris is not a life goal. Speaking of fresh air, let's get a look at the weather. As a mother, I think you should stop being such a patronising bitch and piss off on the TV. Well, yeah, I think what... Should I be on her side? No, you should not be on her no, side. I'm not, but it's very obvious that she was looking for like some kind of link to the weather. And I think she did that. And that's why. Um, but also, it's incredibly patronising. And it's, yeah. what is this, the 1990s again? Like, exactly. Video games are bad for you. It should go out. I'm like, it's not a life goal. If it was a life goal, then he may as well end his life because he's literally 13. Like that, well, exactly. Even if it is he's a got his whole goal, life ahead of him. He can go and do other things now. He can go and beat asteroids or whatever. The fact that this is newsworthy enough to be on the news and you've created a section about it yeah. only to then like completely undermine, undermine it afterwards. Mm. It's like, well... Why are you undermining it if it was good enough to be on your TV show? Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. They probably, I probably told her that she was going to present that bit and she'd be like, oh, why? What the fuck? What's the point? Yeah. And like... But things I, like, she, she's the type of person that has only circles that are people that would agree like that. I can You can tell. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she... Face, Facebook mums. Face, yeah, pretty much. I'm sure she's on mums net. But yeah, the thing is like, they were also at that same time, along the bottom was the ticker, the news ticker celebrating um the the 16 year old boy who like nearly won the world darts tournament on his first ever tournament which is like phenomenal and incredible and i was actually following it wouldn't watch it not my thing but like i was following it being like well i wonder if he's gonna win this would be mm. quite cool and like the the like so many of people in the country have been following him but for some reason that achievement which yeah is cool is incredible and we should all be kind of watching it and we should be really proud and you know interested in that but then playing playing tetris isn't i mean what's the difference i mean darts is just throwing you he's throwing something it's a skill but so he's playing tetris he's also played indoors so he's also not touching grass is he no anyway but darts is not something that you need to be i don't know it's it darts and video games are very similar yeah anyway this brought up a lot of opinion and luckily or nicely it brought up a lot of positive things from the game from people in the games industry who were like actually you know we should be celebrating um, this person's achievement. It's nice this to is see journalists not moaning. Um, so actually, there was there were some nice posts around it from people. You know, the the head of comms at Yuki, which is the UK games industry. Who is it? Uh, trade body. Uh, Bavina Bacada. Okay. Who said um, had had this uh, had this boy been a chess champion, we would all be celebrating. But because it's Tetris, and it's a video game. Yeah, it's not. Um, uh, people from Rare, people from um, uh, from PR people, like just a lot of people were like, actually, this is a really good thing. And yeah. not this. Now, I will say, I think that journalist has had a lot of hate and attacks and that's not the right thing to do. 
Um, I, yeah, but I mean, she was it, definitely in the wrong. She was in the wrong. and But I also think some of it was her trying to kind of put a link to outdoors and the weather and stuff. Well, she but, tried and she failed. failed. But also I think as well, the fact it's Tetris made a big deal of it because everybody knows Tetris. And everybody knows Tetris from the 90s when that kind of rhetoric was going around. Mm. If he'd beaten a game that was... Like if he'd beaten... I don't know, a game that was quite new that people didn't really know about and people and people are told, you know, this is a big thing doing it, then I feel like well, maybe it would be in the game, a bit... It would be in the gaming news, it wouldn't be in the mainstream news. Do you think it's... I mean, maybe it is why, because everyone like, knows Tetris. People, yeah, oh, 100%. You know, people are doing like sex speed runs of Baldur's Gate 3. That I mean, that's be not going to be on Sky News. Um, but it's something that the gaming I mean, news will... I will be on her side when she says, get outside, you fucking losers. Wow. Um... <laughs> Like, but it's because it's Tetris and it's iconic and it's so old and it's taken all of this time for somebody to beat it in that way. Yeah. That's why it's newsworthy. And it is newsworthy. Mm -hmm. Even if you are a mother and you went to go outside, piss off. Anyway, that was the news. Excellent. Well, thank you. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, well, thank you. And welcome to the 2024, I was trying to say. Yeah, um, I thought you were going for that. Yeah. That what a what a way to end it. You're welcome. Shitting on people who shit on Tetris. Yeah. Happy 2024. And um, yeah, when are we back? Next week with Inbox. Yes. And um, we're going to be talking about our six most anticipated games of this year. And we're not making it an award because we're not weirdos like that. Like the Game Awards, most anticipated game. Oh, do you mean the game with the best PR? No. Yeah. No, it's just the ones that we are looking forward to playing. Yeah. And we've got a few inbox ideas coming up, including games that you might want to buy if you've got a play PS5 or a Steam Deck or a Xbox over Christmas or a Switch. So um yeah, look out for those as well. But yeah. Next one will be games are looking forward to. Tell me, can you tease one? Well, one's very obvious. Yeah. We've already talked about it a lot in this episode. I need to sneeze. <laughs> oh, goes on tight. Um, I'm gonna give one. Sorry. I'm gonna give you one example, uh, one clue. A clue. The clue is only for people that are watching this on the video. In fact, no, I will explain what it is. What is it, Ed? You are wearing a pilot's cap. That's all I'm gonna say. Anyway, Ed, where can we find you? You can find me at Ed underscore Knights on Twitch and on Twitter. And you can find me biggest Benus everywhere except for Twitter, where you can find me at biggest Benus one. Nice. Yeah. When's Elon gonna do it? You keep asking, it's not happening. Um, thanks all for listening. Have a good one. See you next week. Bye. Bye.